The letter to the Ephesians, a letter from Paul, an important leader of the early Christian movement, a planter of churches throughout the world, and he wrote this letter a long time ago to a group of churches, uh, most likely in Asia Minor, uh, which is uh, modern-day Turkey. And so we are going to spend the rest of our spring and and part of our summer in this letter uh, that Paul wrote. And so we'll begin our time in this letter this week. And I'm going to read from the beginning, and I'm going to read from the ending. And so we'll start in Ephesians chapter 1 and read verses 1 and 2. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now would you turn with me to chapter 6. Chapter 6, and I'll begin reading in verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to hear Paul's word of grace uh, to us? Uh, Through these words that we have read, we are convinced that they come not just from him, but they come ultimately from you as your spirit inspired him to write this letter, not only to the church a long time ago, but to the church now. And so would you help us to hear this word of grace and to have a response of love incorruptible for our Savior. Would you give us humility? Would you give us clarity? Would you give us hearts of repentance, hearts of faith, and hearts of willing obedience? Would you open our eyes and our ears to receive this word that you have for us? And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, did you feel it this week? Did you feel the Easter letdown? I don't know, maybe pastors feel this, experience this a little bit more acutely. But but my guess is that many of you experience it as well. Last Sunday, we shook the walls singing, I am bound for the promised land. And then we went home to horrifying news from Pakistan. Many of you return home not only to tragedies abroad, but to tragedies large and small of a more personal and a more homegrown variety. Many of you return this week to relational conflict and the pain that it continues to bring into your life. Many of you return to an overwhelming confusion of how you should live, what you should do with your life. 
Many of us went home to an unshakable exhaustion that seems to hang on to us week after week. You know that there's a, there's a pretty well-known sermon by Tony Campolo, and he talks about Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and he has this refrain in that sermon where he says, It's Friday, but Sunday's a-coming. I was talking to a friend this week, and I said, I feel like Sunday came, but Friday's still hanging around. And I thought, he is risen, he is risen indeed, hallelujah, but what now? What now? Maybe, maybe you pondered similar thoughts this week. Easter, the resurrection, Christ is risen. What now in the midst of our pain and our anger and our fear and our confusion? Well, enter stage right, the letter to the Ephesians. Paul is writing to communities who have heard, they have believed, they have celebrated the Easter message. But still, they are confused. And they are afraid. They are wandering about the power of spiritual opposition that is around them. And they are hurt and they are angry about an ongoing conflict within their communities. The deep divide between Jews and Gentiles. A hatred that often makes other conflicts in this world look like schoolroom spats. And so Paul writing here in Ephesians has a lot to say about what now. What now after Easter, after the resurrection? How do we live now, even with our continuing confusion, fear, anger, and even exhaustion? And he has something to say about that, not only in the meat of this letter, but also as he says hello and as he says goodbye. And so that's where I want us to go this morning. I want us to come to the greeting and the farewell of this letter. And we'll find here that Paul says to us, he invites us to a life for now, after the resurrection, of receiving and giving. A life of receiving and a life of giving. First of all, receiving. The author of Ephesians says hello, not only with his name, Paul, but also with his title, Apostle. And the core idea of that title is someone who is sent on behalf of someone else. And so, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle by the will of God. And that, has, that title has a lot to say, not only about the author of this letter, but also about the readers of this letter. You see, if Paul is the sent one, then we are the receiving ones. Paul says, without arrogance, I am God's gift to you. And more specifically, my words. My message is God's gift to you. 
And I, and I say that's without arrogance because, first of all, that designation comes from God, not from Paul. But also because of what Paul says, what his message is. If his words are gifts of God to us, what are his words? Verse 2, grace, peace to you. By the end of the letter, he has added another vital word, not only grace and peace, but love. You see, the message of this letter is a channel into our lives. It is a channel of God's favor. It is a channel of His restoring, His renewing and healing work. It is a channel of the announcement of our belonging to God, our eternal belonging to God as His children. This is a channel of God's Grace, peace, and love into our lives. And we'll see how Paul, in in the first part of this letter, he takes those words and he opens them up like Easter eggs. He opens them up and exposes their wealth and their power and their beauty. And it reveals to us how the riches of these words flow into our lives through the work of Jesus. And the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit. But notice what that says about our role. What's our job as Paul opens these gifts to us? Our job is to open our hands. Our role is to accept what he says about us. What he says about who we are in Jesus. In other words, our job is to become saints. That's what he calls his readers, right? Paul, an apostle, writing to saints. But understand, you don't have saints without apostle. Saints aren't heroic. They are faithful. They are those who have belief and trust in response to what God says about them. Saints are the receiving ones. Saints are the ones who open their hands to God's gifts. Saints are defined not by the accomplishment of great deeds, but by the reception of great gifts. That's how to live for now. That is how to live for now after Easter. It is to open your hands and receive the gifts that flow from the cross and the empty tomb. The gifts of grace and peace and love. Our tradition as a family on Easter is that after we celebrate and feast with our church family, I text my parents who live in Thomasville, and they hop in the car and begin to drive this way. And as soon as my parents' van pulls in our driveway, our children, no matter how much I have lectured them about proper decorum, they run screaming out the door to greet their grandparents. Why? Well, they love their grandparents, but even more, they run screaming because they know that Grammy's hands will be full of sugar and toys. (laughs) That's how we should come to this letter. 
That's how we should come to the message of this letter. Because here we find God's hands full of better gifts. And we find here a teaching on how to open our hands and receive those gifts. Now that doesn't mean, Paul isn't saying, he's not saying here, here's the gift of a pain-free life. That's not what he's saying. The work that he talks about is a work begun, but a work not yet done. And so for now, there is still suffering, there is still confusion, there is still pain, there is still sadness. Paul doesn't call us to pretend about that, but he does call us to attend to a larger reality. The larger reality of God's gifts of grace, peace, and love through Jesus. So, what will dominate your attention this week? What will dominate your attention? Will it be your favor? Or will it be your failure? Or God's favor? His grace? Will it be your dissatisfaction? Or God's ongoing work of healing and restoration? Will it be your unworthiness? Or will it be His welcome to you into His family through Jesus? What will dominate your attention this week? Will it be your lack? Will it be your emptiness? Or will it be His gifts? Now, while we should spend a significant amount of time in our lives meditating on these great truths, these larger realities promised to us through Jesus, we cannot spend all of our time in passive mystical contemplation, right? There is still work to be done. And so we must come to this letter and find a life not only of receiving, but a life of giving. As well. Paul, as he says goodbye in chapter 6, he gives us one final designation, one final description, one final label. He says, Grace to those who love Jesus with an incorruptible love. You see, this letter is not only an invitation to be loved, but then in response. To love. This is a call to respond to what we have been given with gifts of our own. Paul doesn't put us in just a passive receptive position. It is a reception that activates our lives. And that message, that dual message is embedded in the structure of this book. Remember the first part. He's opening up for us the gifts of God to us. But then in the second part, he says to us things like, imitate God. Imitate God as His beloved children. Walk in love 
Christ has loved you and given Himself for you. As you have been loved, go out and love. And for Paul, that love for Jesus is revealed primarily in a love for Jesus' people. It's revealed primarily in our love for each other, church. That's where this love for Christ shines most brightly for Paul in the letter to the Ephesians. And Paul is no hypocrite. He applies his own message to his life. He gives this people not only a, not only a letter, but he gives them a person. You saw it there at the end. He sends to them Tychicus, the beloved brother. You've got to understand that this season in Paul's life was an extraordinarily difficult time. He's most likely in prison in Rome, or at least on his way there. He is increasingly isolated and alone. He is facing his death. His friends are few and far between. And how does he respond? He takes one of the few friends he has, and he gives him away. He sends him away. He sends him to these communities in Asia Minor. Why? Well, he gives in a way that reflects what he has been given. Out of love, he sends Tychicus to them so that their hearts would be encouraged. Even though Paul is deeply in need of encouragement, of companionship, he takes this one whom he describes not only as a friend, but as a beloved brother, and he gives him away so that the hearts of the Ephesians would be encouraged. That's how to live now. After resurrection... It is to live in costly imitation of the love that is revealed at the cross and the empty tomb. To live after Easter is to imitate Easter. Christ giving Himself in love for us so that we can then turn and give our lives to one another. And did you notice the adjective? That Paul uses for this love. He says this love. A love that reflects Jesus. A giving that reflects God's own generosity. That love is incorruptible. The same word he uses in his famous teaching on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. He says Christ was raised incorruptible. He says, we who are in Christ by faith will be raised incorruptible. But what does he say now in Ephesians? He says, in between those two great events, those two great resurrections, you can live that incorruptibility now. Even as your body decays and heads towards the grave, you can live incorruptibility as you live With a love that looks like Jesus. You see, this isn't just how to live after Easter. This is how to live Easter every day of our lives. 
God's gifts to us, the gifts of His Son and Spirit, the gifts of His grace, peace, and love, they are not just sweets to be consumed and enjoyed. They are gifts that involve us. They are gifts that invite our participation. They are like the gift of a musical instrument. Right? A musical instrument isn't meant to be observed. It's meant to be played. If you give a drum set to a little boy, how's he going to respond to that gift? Is he, is he going to just look at it? No, he's going to beat on it. That is the gift of the gospel. It is a gift that is meant to be played. The invitation of this letter, the invitation, the message about what Jesus has done for us, what he has given to us. It is an invitation to play resurrection. As we love each other. As we give ourselves away for the people whom God has placed in our lives, we play resurrection. We beat the Easter drums. We must be always mindful of our tendency, particularly as Americans, to become consumers when it comes to God when it comes to faith, when it comes to church. There is a tendency in us to become passive religious consumers. But that is not what the gospel produces. Faith in the gospel, faith in the message of Easter doesn't produce passive consumption. It should produce empowered participation. As we love each other, as we love within our friendships, as we love within our work relationships, as we love in our homes, as we love our neighbors, we beat the drums of Easter. We participate in the work that God has begun by raising His Son from the dead. That's how to live now, after Easter. It is to live Easter. It is to live resurrection by giving in a way that looks like what we have been given by our generous God. This past Thursday, my wife and youngest son were in the waiting room of a doctor office. And as people came in the door of that waiting room, my youngest son, Sam, greeted them with a loud and cheerful, Happy Easter! (laughs) Happy Easter! Now, we say, oh, that's cute, but Sam, it's not Easter. Well, the Apostle Paul says to us, No, adults, listen to that three-year theologian. It is still Easter. And your life can say Happy Easter on a Thursday. As you live 
receiving God's gifts of grace, peace, and love. And then turning toward those in this room, towards those who cross your path this week, and giving yourself away just as Christ has given Himself for you. Let's pray.